Let's get scratching. We got an explosive broadcast coming to you. Listen up. Sega games, just keep playing them. Sega! We're back. It's the Sega Bit Swing Report Show. Live. Get ready for Sega interviews and news. Hello and welcome to the Segabit Swing Report Show Live. I am Barry. And joining this on our 100 and somethingth episode is a very special guest. She has joined us before in 2015 and now she is back on the show. So without further ado, let's introduce her. It is Liesl Wilkerson. Hello. Hi, Barry. It's great to be back. I can't believe it's been so long. (laughs) I know, right? It's wild. So, um, you know, for you watching in the YouTube audience, uh, we're starting a little late. We had some audio issues, but hopefully we solved it. So if you're in the comments, if you hear um, any echo, just let us know. Okay, they're hearing a little bit of echo. So here's what we'll do. Let's take a listen to a sampling of your work in Japanese television, working as a presenter and actress, and then return with perfect audio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to sunny L.A. Movie Plus no reporter no Risole desu. Yeah,、<笑> え、<笑><笑> Here I am at a place called Ameoko. Now, Ameoko is... Okay. All right. And we are back. Um, That was just a sample of what you can do and have done. Um, We fiddled around with the audio a little bit. So now that we're back, let us know if um, everything sounds good on your end. Uh, Liesl, uh, can I hear you speak for just a moment? Then tech support will be complete, hopefully. Okay. Doctor Nindayo, Nori Nori. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I laugh every time I hear Dr. Linda. <laughs> so, you need to tell me, I mean, so first off, people know you very well from your work with uh, at least the audience we have with um, Sega yeah. Games. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Shenmue 2, I think, is probably your most popular Sega game. Uh, but, of course, you have also done a lot of uh, fighting females in many different mm-hmm. games, um, both well, within Sega, it's been Sarah Bryant. Uh, outside of Sega, mm-hmm. can you uh, let me... Give me an idea. 
Um, so there's another little game I did with Sega as well, Crazy Taxi, where I was yelling at cars as the character Gina. So that was a lot of fun. But um, as far as Tekken characters, which I guess would be one of the would be the big other big characters, it would be um, Nina Williams, Christy Montiero, and Zafina. So I've done those three. Um, I've also done, you know, I've, I mean, I've done so many old school games, though, like Rumble Roses. I a few months ago, I was actually at a convention and someone brought something for Rumble Roses. And I was like, what? Where did you get this? <laughs> it was like it was like listening to Dr. Linda again. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm in a different universe. But um, it's always, you know, so much fun when you see some of those old school, you know, projects that you've been a part of and, you know, people bring them over to get them signed or whatever. That's always so much fun for me. Yeah, absolutely. And you've, so you've been uh, doing video game voice acting in, I would say, the 2000s predominantly. Um, yeah, and you you made a brief return for I believe Shenmue three three mm-hmm. for a cameo, but you wouldn't consider yourself like voice actor first. I feel like your no your main yeah. focus is interpreter. Yeah, um, I so one thing I've realized about myself over the years is I'm the kind of person where I'm not satisfied with just one job. Um, I know a lot of the other voice actors, of course, from going to conventions with them and whatnot. And there are a lot of them who, you know, that's all they do. That's all they want to do is voice acting. And that's absolutely great. And, you know, I more power to you for that. But I am such a... I don't know. It's just my personality where I like to do different kinds of things. And when I was moving to the States um, around 2008, 2009, I wanted to kind of switch things up and do other work. Um, And interpreting has become something that I've been doing a lot of. And it's, it's extremely challenging and touches on a lot of, uh, different aspects I guess of for me that are I always considered weaknesses and so I've really had to work those a lot and that's been really fulfilling for me but I also do a lot of work with production with producing so Mm -hmm. I help with guest bookings for other conventions um, and other events Um, I do consulting for Japanese clients. Um, yeah, I do a lot of... I, I've really started to do a lot more of that, and I really enjoy that, I think. Now, you have... Uh, the main reason I def- I wanted to bring you on is you have a new podcast. Uh, yes! It's called Adventures of a Blonde Geisha. There are two episodes yes. up right now. Uh, yes. There is Welcome to Candyland and Bilingal. Yes. I have listened to both. I love the show. I love the format. Um, Thank you. I I typically, my podcast listening is like super polished, 
politics podcasts. Ah, uh, very different. And like, um, yeah. and then like the typical daily news stuff. Um, I and then some entertainment things like uh, you know like uh, like movie stuff. But I've never really listened to one uh, like yours that I, I think kind of fits more like a um, almost like a, a blog format or an audio blog. Where, yeah, like a storytelling, I guess, uh, aspects of it, too. Yeah, but yeah. what really impressed me is that you, you can sit in front of a microphone on your own and talk for a good 20 <laughs> minutes, and it's not meandering. Like, there, you, uh-huh. you have a, you're a very good storyteller, is what I'm trying to say. And, and uh-huh. as you can tell, I'm not the greatest storyteller because I'm kind of stumbling over my words just to describe storytelling. But... Um, I just think it's a it's a fantastic uh, first two episodes. I'm really looking forward to hearing more of them. Um, Thank you. And so usually we do the plugs at the end, but I just want to let everyone know uh, they can check yeah. out Adventures of a Blonde Geisha out right now. Two episodes, more to come. It's on all the major ones, but right now I've I found it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this right now, uh, click on over, subscribe, give a positive review because once you listen to it, I think you're going to want to leave. A positive review so it's it's warranted thank you um, yeah it's the um po- yeah the podcast thing it's interesting because i've been talking about doing a podcast for a very long time um i have i don't know why but i've just had some of the craziest experiences in my life and of course you know a lot of it is because i was living in japan during such a an incredible time with music and with entertainment and voice acting and all that. Um, so I've just got so many funny and entertaining and crazy stories that I want to tell. Um, but then also, you know, I really wanted to touch on this whole thing about being a third culture kid, right? That's kind of a theme, one of the themes of the podcast. And for me, I don't really fit in, obviously, to Japan, like being the six foot, well, I'm not six foot, I'm actually 5'10", but same deal. <laughs> um, but, you know, so being a really tall, blonde American girl, I never fit in to Japan. But then coming to America, I never really fit in here either and I still don't even though I've been here for now what 13 years I still always feel different and I kind of wanted to touch on that because I think that there are a lot of people out there who might feel different even if they're not third culture kids or you know even if they have just one culture and so part of my thing is it's okay you know the we're all out there in all sorts and forms and whatever and um, you know, and I, I do enjoy storytelling a lot. Um, you know, coming from radio where I would talk to myself, even though I had a, an audience, obviously, but, you know, I would be alone in a DJ booth for hours and <laughs> <laughs> still somehow found, you know, a way to entertain myself. So I thought maybe I can do it, but it took me a long time. Uh, I was really, I don't know what it was, but I was very intimidated by the fact, uh, by just doing this whole podcast thing, because it's so personal to me, the content. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit about like, you know, personal rejection. No, you guys don't love me. No, (laughs) I don't know what it was, but 
I just wouldn't, you know, I just kept talking about doing it and not doing it. And then finally in January of this year, I was like, nope, we're doing it. We're absolutely doing it. And I don't care. I'm just starting to put myself out there. So, you know, so far I'm really happy with it. And it's, it's really been a lot of fun to kind of sit. And also I will say, Barry, I don't have a nice setup like you do. My... (laughs) Uh, air quotes. Oh, please. Studio. My podcast studio is my closet in my bedroom, which has a treadmill in there, which has never <laughs> been used. Also got some big luggages in there, which I use all the time. Um, and an air conditioner. When the So, you know, once, once it gets warmer, it'll be a little less crowded. But... Yeah. Needless to say, it's like a game of Twister, like going in to my studio and doing this. So, you know, yeah. Well, yeah, but, you know, to make you feel better, um, you know, as you saw when you when you jumped on here, we did have a little bit of an audio issue. And that's because I am juggling on my end. I'm juggling so many things. I have uh, I actually have to um, physically plug in. There's a cable running behind me that I typically don't have um, to my Wi-Fi router. I have to, like, close doors, turn off things. Uh, lower light levels, put screenshots up and have videos, you know, ready at the ready. And sometimes I'll sit down and I'm all ready to go. And I forget one of those things and it just throws me off my game for the entire show. Um, yeah. And for in, in your case, it's great because you're sitting down and you're just you're just hitting record and talking. Um, yes. And so I kind of envy you in that regard. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I will say, though, there is a wild card and that would be. You guys can't see, but this cute little kitty, one of my cats that is, you know, actually sleeping soundly right next to me right now. For whatever reason, when I start recording the podcast, all of a sudden she's like, and she's like, yeah, (laughs) she has the loudest meow. And, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I actually, it's been okay. But, um, but yeah, I have had to re-record because, you know, she's like, oh, okay, you want to do something where you have no noise? Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, well, my cat's 16 years old, so we just throw a bunch of food in her and she's done for the night. So it's it's pretty good. But she, she has been uh, quite the annoyance in the past. Um, but going back to your show then, uh, yes. it, it really feels like you're almost reading like... Um, an autobiography because you you lay the foundation in the beginning and then you kind yes. of walk through um, you walk through your, your story and so we're too deep you you haven't touched on you've hinted at uh, your roles um, in video game voice acting uh, your yes. um, role on Lost in Translation and we actually I, I recall I didn't re-listen to it but we talked a lot about that. Uh, in the past, um, back in 2015, when you were on, um, in fact, I think the most notable thing we talked about that gets uh, cited time and again, and it's been on a few wiki entries actually, is uh-huh. our um, our discussion about, uh, and I'm, I, f- I think it's Yuan Yuan um, from Yuan? Shenmue Two, yes, 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 who by I think by all accounts is the first 
trans. trans character in video games. I mean, I yeah. could be wrong. Uh, maybe yeah. they throw in... I, I feel like maybe in the past, maybe 80s, 90s, they might have thrown in characters like as a joke. But this one, it's it's more like it just they just happen to be and it's not really touched upon or treated humorless humorously outside of maybe that uh the two main villains are actually a couple um and so that that was a very interesting conversation uh but there were some areas in your sega voice acting that i don't believe we touched on so i did want to touch a little bit on those and then i also had some uh questions that came up from listening to your podcast so um virtua uh fighter you have played Sarah Bryant in Virtua Fighter Five, mm-hmm. um, and but your first Virtua Fighter role was actually a year pr- uh, before that, I believe, in Virtua Quest. Mm-hmm. Now, Virtua Quest, um, I, I've not played it, but I've watched videos of it. Um, it's it's more of a action adventure game where the Virtua Fighter characters are kind of there as assistants. Um, how do you remember how you came about working on that game? Was it just through your previous work with Sega? Were they looking for someone with more of a uh, more narrative-driven voice acting experience rather than uh, a fighting game voice? Do you, do you have any recollections on that role? Not really, honestly. Uh, but it all the Virtua Fighter work that I've done. Uh, all comes through the same agent so Mm -hmm. uh, basically and she's one of my favorite people to work with in japan i've actually done a lot of other like commercial work with her and whatnot but um she would you know for for the virtue fighter work you know work she would call me up and say okay lisa they need you or they need your voice or they need the okay to use your voice and so that's and that's kind of you know where it ends i mean i don't really remember unfortunately i wish i did but i don't know it's kind of a long time ago so i don't remember well sorry i mean understandably so because uh virtua fighter 5 um for you know fans of the game it's famously like the most uh re-released new version virtua fighter Mm -hmm. game in history we've come to the point now where they were teasing a new game and it turned out to be Another another iteration of the game, right? Yeah. yeah, and then on top of that, the game will appear in um, uh, recent games as a game within a game. Uh, yeah. So, do you receive any like contact from your agent when that comes up? They're like they're using yeah. the game again. No. Okay. Yeah. No. And I don't even. Yeah. No. They don't let us know. So, the only way I find out really about that kind of thing would be through people contacting me, um, Mm -hmm. fans or, you know, um, reach out to me on social media and they're like, Oh, I just saw you on so-and-so game. I'm like, what? (laughs) What?" (laughs) Um, but you know, once more, I think that, I mean, this is in a way, in, in this way, um, I have to say this is one thing about the entertainment industry in general, but then just like a lot of the work, especially coming from the era or whatever, the Mm -hmm. time when I started doing it, where you really had no idea what was coming out, when it was coming out, and you kind of had no control over the situation. And so I learned to not 
I've learned to not, you know, be irritated or frustrated, you know, when I hear something like that, right? It's just like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. That's great. (laughs) I mean, you know, you kind of have to pick your battles. So, um, but, I, you know, I mean, obviously nowadays it's very different because the people that do voice acting, you know, and that's all they want to do. Like, they have to constantly be using social media to promote it and you know there's I mean there's a lot of stuff that goes on but back when I started doing voice acting um, there wasn't IMDB and you know there wasn't right. a lot of these tracking tools and and having done it in Japan as well um, and I'm sure that you know if you've talked to Eric uh, Kelso as well that you've probably heard this but you know we were given very very little information about any of the games that we did. Now, Shemu was a big difference, but usually they don't tell us. And so I'm still to this day, I'm getting a lot of people who approach me at events and they'll say, I'm sure this is your voice. Can you listen to it? And I listen to it and I'm like, yeah, could be. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, (laughs) I, I know I've done a lot of work over the years and then, you know, just what's out there on IMDb, but I have no idea what it is. So, you know, once more, something I can't control. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fascinating because um, we we have had voice actors on the show uh, in the past. Some who yeah. it's it's all they do. Um, you know, it's their bread and butter. They uh, they're out there doing the contract disputes and 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 holding off. You know, for more money. Um, uh, Roger Craig Smith, the current voice of Sonic, was um, on our show, and he actually was announced to be leaving the role. And then six months later, he was announced to be returning to the role, uh, despite the fact that no one voiced Sonic between them. So he was the first uh, Sonic voice actor to have the role twice in a row, just because That's he officially so left and returned. Yeah. Um, and and then there's there's been other people we've had on where I'll, I'll say to them, you know, like, you've done the voice of, of these two characters. And like, well, yeah, I designed the game and I just happened to be around and I had a good voice. Someone said, why don't you do the announcer voice? And now I'm the voice of uh, Midway's Hydro Thunder, you know, the barker at the arcade telling people to, you know, come on over and jump on a boat, you know, and go for a race. Um mm. And then there are the ones who, and I think you kind of fit into that category, where uh, you you have a focus in a lot of different things, but uh, you know you have an excellent voice, so of course you're going to want to take advantage of that and put yourself out there for uh, voice acting roles. But I don't I don't get the sense that you are I don't want to say precious. You are. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like almost like uh, maybe spiteful or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like if someone comes on and starts to do the character, uh, a a great example of this is the Shenmue anime is going on right now. Um, Uh Yeah. Was there an effort on your part to ever try to get the voice acting role on the anime for joy? Or was it just kind of like, because they change, it's a whole new cast, I think, for everyone. It's a whole new cast. And yeah, and I think that it's also got a very different feel to it. Mm. Um, so, and you know, I mean, honestly, I, I think it would, I do think it would be really weird if, you know, just 
one person was on there and I mean, you know, even though Shimmer Three obviously, you know, I came I came back but other of course Corey was back, but mm-hmm. I was the only person other person to come on from Shimmer Two. Um but I, yeah, I don't know. I just I I knew the Shimu the anime would probably head in that way, and it's totally fine. I think that you know there. I mean, it's just like how you see remakes of classic movies, or you know, you always have different interpretations of the same story. Right. And there's nothing. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, I I'm not. And at the end of the day, I mean. I feel being in the entertainment industry for a long time because it, it'll be almost thirty years now. You know, I mean, I started working in radio um, at the age of eighteen, so I've been doing. Yeah, I mean, I've been in this industry for almost thirty years, and I've learned that, as I mentioned before, you have to pick your battles, but also, you know, there's so much that you have to fight anyway with what's going on with the entertainment industry like you know in the end you just don't want to put out bad energy or you know it's right that's just not me like i just don't do that i don't like to do that and Mm -hmm. you know i'm all about sharing the love (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The the one thing I found really interesting, I'm I think three episodes of the anime has been out now is that it it, I mean, it is an anime adaptation to the point where and no offense to, you know, you and and the other um, voice actors from the game, but I almost prefer to have like people who have worked heavily in anime working on the show just because it's almost like if you're going to see the stage play of a movie you want to it's kind of exciting to see the new cast and the new people who are you know i mean nathan lane like people are like oh i'm gonna go see the broadway show and nathan lane's there um you know that's someone who kind of crosses over between the two but uh, he just came to mind because I was watching an interview with him recently. But like, I love him. yeah, there there are stars. What I'm trying to say is there are stars in Broadway that you would be very excited to see take on a role. Um, and so it 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 is fun to watch Shenmue, um, hear these new voices, but they are emoting yeah. and acting in the way that is typical of anime, as opposed to yeah. Um, I guess I'd say like the Sega voice acting, especially in the 2000s, which has its own flavor. Um, and uh, it's it's I, I don't really know how to describe it. It's um, it, I don't know how much you've seen of modern video game voice acting, but it is much more. Very uh, different. Yeah, it's very theatrical. Um, yeah. They om- they do bring on some celebrity voices from time to time. I think George Takei was on a recent Sega game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could be wrong. Yeah, he was. Um, and it's almost like watching a film. Whereas I feel with um, with the Shenmue games and the English uh, versions, it was it was almost it was just a, a gameplay mechanism to impart information onto the player. And it almost seemed right to pick actors who can enunciate, deliver dialogue clearly because mm-hmm. they're giving instruction to the player um, for a large part of, of the gameplay. Now, there are, of course, cinematics, but I mean, by and large, Shenmue is a lot of conversational dialogue. Um, and so I'd have to imagine 
you don't want to get an actor who's going to get behind the microphone and just be like, I want to have fun with this. I'm going to go really crazy, uh, see where I can take this. And it's kind of like, can you just pl- please read the script? Because we've got an entire branching <laughs> dialogue tree, you know? Yeah. Well, and also I think the the whole thing about recording in Japan, that's mm-hmm. unfortunately, that's kind of what you get too, is you're not given very much freedom at all, you know, with scripts or with characters or I think the only time really that I had any kind of freedom to do anything was when I was um, recording was that the first time? I think, yeah, when I was recording Nina Williams and I went into the studio, like I, you know, came to the studio at that time I was doing a lot of boxing, right? So, and Mm. I used to just go everywhere on this pimped out mountain bike that I had, um, which is black and red. It was super awesome. And, you know, a furry um, leopard print C and it was just the jam. And so, (laughs) I came, I literally came from, I just finished doing boxing with a personal trainer and I came out to record for Nina Williams. And so I had my boxing gloves with me, actually. And they were these really big, um, I think they were like 14 ounce gloves. They, They were really big. And, you know, of course, leopard print. So as I'm pulling up to the studio, the people you know, the client was coming up and they were like, oh, Lisa-san. They were just blown away. They were like, who are you, Chikorita? Like, it was was so funny. But they were like, oh, you are like Nina Williams. You know, and it was... And I remember that. And it was funny because that with that, I don't know, I think it it was a very... um, I think it's a very impromptu thing, but they're like, oh, we want to hear lines that you would use personally, you know, some of the, some things that you would say. And so I remember like writing down some and then recording and then, you know, uh, doing all that. But other than that, really in Japan, when you're doing voice work, you don't really get an opportunity to have very much freedom or to play around mm. with things um, too. Uh, well, I mean, you know, nowadays it's probably a little bit different, but still, I I think that um, if you're doing English uh, voice acting in Japan, you still don't really get that opportunity a lot. Mm. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe the language has something to do with it, too. I don't, but I don't know. Um, but then, of course, you know, you see... Like, I've, I've interviewed a lot of the big um, seiyu for Japanese, you know, for anime. Like, some of the people from DBZ, Dragon Ball Z, and One Piece, and, you know, like, Attack on Titan. And a lot of these really big Japanese seiyu. Um, I've worked with them at various anime events or Comic-Con events. And mm-hmm. one of the things that they say, too, is that um, depending on the director you are sometimes allowed to play around a little bit and to ad lib with anime, right. but a lot of times they, well, not a lot of times, um, but you know, more often than not, you are encouraged to really just go by the script. Um, but yeah, I think it all, I guess it all depends. 
And in the world of like uh, video game voice acting and, and the directors, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. it's the game director themselves, like with Yu Suzuki, uh, who's a little more in control. Other times it's, the, you know, a, a voice director. Um, yeah. Because, you know, if, if the work is being done in Japan and they have a loose grasp on the English language, do you think there's something where they they hear the words being read it sounds correct it seems to impart the information that they think english speakers will need and that's good enough especially in the past where it was less cinematic and it was more this is a video game we're not making a movie here yeah. <laughs> and i yeah 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 exactly and i think um i think that's part of it i think there's also um, working with Japan in the business culture is mm-hmm. a very similar thing where they don't like to make very many changes. They're quite, they like things to be the way they are on the script a lot of times. Like that whole white space, you know, the whole notion about just, ooh, doing whatever, you know, I, they just, they're not very comfortable with that. Mm. Um, and this is not just with voice acting. I feel like it's with, um, I deal with this with my interpreting clients a lot as well, you know, where they get really nervous if something, just one thing goes off, then it's like all of a sudden panic mode. And, um, but once more, not everyone is like that. I've also dealt with a lot of great clients, Japanese clients who, prefer to be in this kind of white space where they don't know what's going to happen. Let's let it just go organically. But that is much rarer, I think, right. in, in, in Japanese culture, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We've, we've done, we have another podcast where we just talk about uh, a Sega game or a game connected to Sega each episode. And there is that very rare game where you're like, this came out in 1995 and the voice acting is fantastic, you know. And um, more often than not, the director behind it is someone who's gone on to make multi-million dollar games. So they definitely mm. knew what they were doing. They uh, uh, weren't treating it so much as um, uh, dis- dispensable, I guess, you know, where they were just like, you know, people will play this, they'll move on. Um, mm. But there's also that level of fandom where they they like that quality to the um, mm-hmm. the acting. They almost look for it. Uh, mm-hmm. When Shenmue 3 came out, I think there was almost this fear from some fans where it might be too slick, um, mm-hmm. where they would hear the voice acting and it would feel like a, a too far of a jump, uh, For mm-hmm. even though it's basically starting right after the second game because of the time jump through production you would be having these characters who all of a sudden would be coming out of the cave talking you know super eloquently it's almost like you're watching uh you know a a film or or seeing a video game created in 2017 as it was um yeah so there is that uh with your work then in virtua fighter uh how much time would you say you have spent collectively in the studio uh as Sarah, would it would it have been just like a one and done for Virtua Fighter Five, or did you come back for the subsequent releases? I I know that I've gone into the studio two different times for Virtua Fighter. I'm pretty sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Would it have been Quest and then Five, maybe something like maybe? that? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Oh man, I feel 
like I'm losing my mind. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I wish well, I could say. I it is pretty fantastic, though, because, you know, you've you've done um, this voice work as this character um, relatively small amount of time in your life, but it has really, you know, I think you a large part of your fan base is the Virtua Fighter uh, fans mm-hmm. outside of Shenmue, and so it's just kind of fascinating to see that, you know, you just do a small little bit amount of work, and it, it uh, makes a huge impact on a lot yeah. of people. Um, famously, uh, <laughs> Mike Pollock, who does the voice of um, Dr. Eggman for the Sonic games, he people will come at him with every single question and he has to say sometimes like look i know you love these games you probably hear my character's voice every day but for me i'm i'm voicing this character probably once a year you know mm-hmm. like i'm going to the studio for the next big game and then you're playing the game every day for the next few years and for me i'm doing other work um he gets yeah. a little crotchety about it but it is a good point uh-huh. because uh, it, it's this interesting thing where the voice actors will have slight recollections um, whereas the fans will be like, you know, I've, I've heard your voice every day. I, I replay this game constantly. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's kind of a fascinating fan base because unlike, say, uh, television or film, you know, people will play characters for years and that's how you keep up with them. Whereas video games, they have this replayability factor. And so y- you will have these fans who, you know, uh, glom onto you, but for a relatively small amount of work on your part. It's just, yeah, it's very interesting to me. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think so looking at, so um, Virtua Fighter 4 was my first one, Virtua Fighter 4 Evolution. I think that was mm. the first time I went into okay. for uh, uh Yeah, so I do remember that. Um Okay. Yeah. Um, so I do remember the four and the five. All right. Uh, so, so that I think is those yeah. Would be the main ones, I guess. Okay. But, um, yeah. But and also kind of to piggyback of what you were saying, um, this is something that you know a lot of times I will bring up, or sometimes one of the other voice actors will bring up, is that one of the things that is extremely important. And I touched on this kind of a little bit earlier, but when you're doing voice acting or when you're in the entertainment field where you're going through auditions all the time and you're putting yourself out there all the time, you're constantly having to continue the hustle, you know? Mm-hmm. So say for instance, I go in and record something that's great and wonderful but then of course you know because it's in japan i have no idea of what it is no information but then you kind of do sometimes forget about it until it gets released um and even then you don't know when it's gonna be released right a lot of times and Mm -hmm. so there's something i think like most I want to say probably a lot of voice actors and actors, actresses, you know, just people in entertainment who are doing this. Like you put everything you have into that moment and do your best, but you can't dwell on that moment for a long time because you don't even know if that thing that you worked on is going to be coming out. Or, you know, so you have to, it's almost like a survival skill, I think, that you have to have because you just have to keep pressing forward and 
doing more and more work, mm-hmm. you know, unless, you know, unless you're like Mariska Hargitay and, you know, you do Law and Order SVU, <laughs> which is my guilty pleasure. But right. <laughs> I mean, you know, with that, it's like, oh, season 20. Yikes. But um, <laughs> yeah. 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 And you never know what will blow up, too, because, you know, for example, Crazy Taxi. Uh, yeah. A relatively, um, you know, small amount of voice acting. You had uh, there, there's yeah. actually a YouTube uh, video online where it's just the audio clips. And so you can sit and just listen to every single thing <laughs> oh my God. you and everyone else said. It's very fun. Um, yeah. But then, you know, something like that could have very much blown up and it did with one through three but there was actually at a, a at one point richard donner was going to direct a crazy taxi movie and so uh-huh. if you can imagine if that actually went ahead uh your a character that you voice could you know could have very well have been in the early 2000s a uh, character in a movie <laughs> you know it's just yeah. kind of by richard donner of superman fame it's just it's kind yeah. of wild how these things blow up and by and large like you've got this kind of Midas touch because I feel like every little minor Sega role that you started out on has blown up into a pretty big franchise between Shenmue, yeah. Crazy Taxi you know yeah. Um, yeah. coming in towards the end of Virtua Fighter but you know fingers crossed they do a six uh, and they bring uh, a lot of the voice I cast so back too. yeah that'd yeah. be wonderful and I mean you know I, I guess when you, when I think of it this way It's not just Sega stuff, I guess, because also in Lost in Translation, I have this role where I have two, you know, speak, I I have like speaking lines with Bill Murray. Um, Mm -hmm. So I have two, you know, two scenes with him. But it's crazy to me how it's still a minor role. uh, But I have had so many people reach out to me and say, oh my gosh, you were just amazing. And I'm like, really? I was? I was barely on there, but okay, <laughs> you know. I mean, so, yeah, maybe that's kind of what I do. I just go in, you know, do my magic for a few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, your character's name, uh, isn't it Sexy Businesswoman? Oh, yeah. It was, I can't yeah. even begin to tell you, Barry. So, and this is another thing. Like, I actually have such an amazing story with that film and with yes. Sofia Coppola, right? Because um, it starts even before I got cast in that movie. Uh, I'm not going to tell it yet because it's one of my favorite stories to tell. Save it for your podcast. Yes. yes. Yeah. And even then, I'm going to have to, I'm like, do I tell that story? Because it's so fabulous. I really love. I mean, it, you just kind of can't make it up. And I'm like, how does this stuff happen to me? Who even knows? But, <laughs> um, but yeah, the sexy businesswoman. Oh my gosh, it's so. You know, because of course, like I'm waiting in the you know in the green room or whatever to be called. And then um, when it's time for my part, you know, my lines, they're like, bring on sexy businesswoman, you know, they're kind of like <laughs> yelling and, you know, everyone's like, who, who, who thinks she's sexy businesswoman? And they're looking at me and being really, you know, just being judgy. And I'm like, right. hey, I did not come up the, with this, you know, title for myself. Thank you very much. This is, right. I did not want this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
um, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was funny. It was, it was a good experience though. But you, really. yeah, you walk up to, to Bill Murray, um, you yes. say something like, oh, I aren't you? I start flirting so- with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and then. Oh my gosh, aren't you Bob Harris? I'm such a But then you come back Harris. later and you tempt, you kind of walk by and tempt him a little bit. Um, yeah, so that's the first part is when I walk by. So mm-hmm. I'm coming out of the bathroom is mm-hmm. my my first scene is I'm coming out of the bathroom. He's talking on the phone to Scarlett Johansson, you know, like he's he's on one of the house phones right near the um, bathrooms, right in the little hall. And so I walk by him and I'm like, oh, I know who you are. Kind of like recognizing him and flirting just a little with him. And then right. I go and wait. Yeah, in the elevator, um, for the elevator. And then that's when he's there. And I'm like, got it. Sexy businesswoman has to go up and say hi. Right. Um, you know, which I did. That's yeah. too funny. It was very funny. And what was really cool about that was um, I got the script. And I remember, you know, when I got on set, you know, Sofia Coppola said, so this is what I want said, but I in no way it doesn't need to be these exact lines. So you can kind of say, as long as this is what you're saying, it could be in whatever way you want to say it. Right. Right. And then she said, and just keep talking until he interrupts you. I'm like, Oh, okay. No problem. (laughs) Right. But I mean, your, your character does play a, a, kind of an essential role in the film just because it's not like a bellhop or a taxi driver where it's someone he just has to interact with to to kind of bring some realism to the situation of him like going from one place to another but you appearing a few times kind of bring this and I said it before almost like this temptation to him to maybe go a different direction with his trip mm. I mean even in your name sexy businesswoman like yeah. maybe the idea is you know Bill Murray's there just to kind of fool around and move on but he does mm. go a different direction with the film and and has yeah. this um, like uh, I don't really know if it's more like a father daughter relationship or something but just like makes this connection with someone um, yeah. on this trip where they both kind of feel lost and so I, I think that's really interesting with the the, the part that your character plays because they they wouldn't have just put you in there to put you in there there's some sort of uh larger reason to put your character in there to just kind of give an idea of you know maybe what he's used to maybe this is something that's happened before yeah Um, and i think maybe the whole thing about around him he's surrounded by the sponsor you know that's Mm. there with him you know like he's surrounded by this mass of Japanese people like just all around him but in that way I guess I'm kind of almost a taste of home but not really because you know I mean he doesn't know me or anything like that but I know him and I'm there on a business trip too so maybe that yeah it, it does kind of have an interesting I guess angle to it yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's funny with with Bill Murray because I have a 4-year-old daughter and she for whatever reason has like really gotten attached to Ghostbusters. Um and her favorite uh. one is Peter, which is Bill Murray's character. Yeah. Um she likes the cartoon more than the movie, but she's gotten this connection that that's the that's Peter, like real Peter. She calls him because you know it's in the movie. <laughs> real Peter. Right? Um, so yeah, so it's just kind of funny that so as cute. I was putting her 
to bed tonight, she wanted her um, her Bill Murray action figure to like oh, to cuddle with. She like cuddles with a piece so of plastic. So. <laughs> and not um, the real Peter, thank goodness. Yes. Right, right. But I just thought that was so funny because I'm like, would she understand who I'm talking to? No, she would not. I don't think she gets yeah. that it's an actor and all that. But it's just it's very funny. That's so um, cute. Bill Murray's kind of dominating our our life right now. Um, yeah. She said one night, she said, can I look at pictures of him? And so I just like brought up a picture of like Bill Murray. <laughs> and she was so like, funny. that's Peter. And I was like, yep. All right. Good night. You looked at Bill Murray. <laughs> Go to bed. Real life Peter. Real life Peter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's such an interesting, I don't know. He's such an interesting guy because, you know, even now he'll crash weddings all the time and just, you know, like start drinking their shots or doing whatever. Like I love, um, and, and, you know, when Sofia Coppola wanted to get him for the role, um, he doesn't have a cell phone, right? So you right. have to reach out to him by the, you know, fax. And, you know, I mean, it's just all this stuff. Like, even for someone like Sofia Coppola, there was a lot of um, pomp and circumstance that she had to go through kind of basically to get him on board and he didn't want to do the role for a really long time. He wasn't interested. But one of the things that he said was... If I do it, I want to also be a part in kind of, you know, like if I think that he would say it differently or, you know, I want to also be involved in kind of the process. And she was like, yeah, of course, I'm going to let you do that. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What a great experience, though. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that episode. Um, and if, if people are just joining us, uh, Liesl has a podcast, Adventures of a Blonde Geisha. You can check that out on most major uh, podcast carriers. Uh, you have a website, too. It's um, adventuresofablondegeisha.buzzsprout.com, right? Yes, 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 Buzzsprout, yeah. yeah. I did, yeah. so I was, you know, it's kind of interesting because before, a while back, I had a website, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think it was lisaweapon.com. And, you know, I used the kind of traditional way of GoDaddy, buy the domain, blah, blah, blah. And so when I wanted to do this podcast, I was like, okay, I need to get a domain name and I need to do this. And so I got adventuresofablongeisha.com. And then I was doing the, um, you know, and then I... I put everything up, you know, kind of made the website. And then Mm -hmm. um, I found out that in order to make any kind of changes, like you have to be, you can't use the free plan, apparently, even if you bought the domain. I was like, what? I didn't even know that. That's kind of, so in other words, if I wanted to upload an episode, I had to have this, you know, $15 a month, you know, marketing plan or blah, blah, blah. And it was interesting for me because I was like, oh, wow, okay, well, then I don't need a website. And, you know, there have been a few other people that had told me that you don't really need a website. I mean, you know, because you do have, like you said, like the Buzzsprout, you know, I get. Mm -hmm. And then also I'm always, I do have a Facebook page as well, Adventures of a Blind Geisha. Um, and then, of course, I share the episode links and everything on social media. But um, so people were telling me, I don't think you need that, you know, 
uh, website. I was like, no, no, I need it. And then when I found out that I couldn't, you know, make any changes unless I paid them, I was like, yeah, okay, no, I don't need it after all. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was a lesson for me, but, you know, it's a learning curve, I guess. Well, yeah, and you're, you're only two episodes deep. Uh, you're promising right. guests as well, um, which yes. I'm sure you are very much so looking exciting. forward to after your experience here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Can I hear you? Can you hear me? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I hear echo, echo, echo. But right. actually, though, um, I have to say, and I think I might have mentioned this in my first episode, but one of my favorite things is actually sitting down with people um, and interviewing them and getting their stories and kind of hearing all about their journeys. I absolutely love that kind of thing. And I think having done it so much in radio, you know, it's, um, I, I don't know, it's just one of my favorite things to do. So I really can't wait. Like I have a lot of people, now of course I'm going to be bringing some of my crew, you know, I'll be bringing in some of the Sega peeps and um, I'll also be bringing in some other voice actors who, um, you know, maybe don't really do that much in the way of coming to events and whatnot. Um, mm. I do want to also bring in Japanese guests as well, but the only thing about that is trying to figure out the uh, the language balance, right? So, right. Um, yeah, so I'm going to wait a little bit you know, on that, but I also have a lot of really wonderful musicians who, like a good girlfriend of mine, she is the guitarist for Cindy Lauper and like a lot oh, wow. of, you know, Sheila E and like a lot of these people. And, you know, these are really good friends of mine and they go to, and I met them in Japan. So they have a very interesting perspective on Japan as well. So I want to bring them in and kind of get their japan and compare it with mine you know yeah um yeah and and also some people who i grew up with um who have very different stories you know in the this whole third culture kid as we call it um which i think it's uh it's really interesting to me because you know and i do think i do talk a little bit about this in the podcast but um, growing up as a third culture kid where your parents are from one culture you live in another culture you create your own culture we all have slightly different cultures that we've created yeah. you know and sometimes there is that over you know there's overlapping but like a lot of the people that I grew up with some of them don't speak Japanese or don't speak very much English like they don't use English that much anymore and um, so I want to bring on other people who've had a similar experience, but a very different journey, right? So, yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. And that's what kind of caught me by surprise, because when I saw that you were doing the podcast, I thought, well, yeah. what would she talk about? Would it be more, you know, would it be a yeah. drier take on, you know, this is what I've done and this is some professional advice from me, but it's, it's a lot more personal and, and that's yes. an aspect I've never really thought about because it's not something I've experienced um, personally. Mm -hmm. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, speaking of guests, uh, yes. now you shared in the past and I, I brought up 
So, um, Brian Burton Lewis, have you, <laughs> yeah. is there any chance, because I know very uh, tough to get a hold of, um, very few, very little information about uh, his work on about the Crazy him. Taxi games. Yeah. Is there yeah. any chance? That I have any info. Okay, so I, it's interesting that you bring that up, Barry, because I was actually going to talk a little bit about. I don't know if um, I mentioned this when you interviewed me in 2015, but I know Brian from when we were little kids. Did I ever tell you this? You babysat to, him. Correct. Exactly. Right. Yes, I babysat him. Right. So, um, and yeah, so it was, I didn't even, you know, I mean, like, I've known, you know, we went to school together and yeah, I had to babysit for him and he was a bit of an ornery kid and I always hated babysitting for him because he was always getting into trouble. <laughs> and for people um, listening, yeah. uh, Brian, he did the voice of the system voice uh, yeah. and Axel and some customers. So he's the one going, hey, 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 come on over, have some fun, crazy taxi. You know, that's all that whole yeah. situation. So, yeah, I can imagine he was a handful just based on the voice. <laughs> yeah, and that, and actually that, um, the system voice, like that voice in Crazy Taxi is so him. It's very mm -hmm. high, he's very high energy. He's very kind of like all over the place and, you know, but that's also what's great about him is um, he, he doesn't do, though, that much of a way of, um, voice acting anymore. I think that that was really more something where we were working together because we were recruited. Um, I was at that time, I was working in radio at J Wave, and his boss brought the company that was managing Brian, his management company, is owned by a very good friend of mine at J Wave. And so they brought us on for that project because of the whole radio connect. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I know that he's been doing, I mean, uh, he's been doing a lot of work, uh, with DJing and he really loves going to events and, you know, doing like the raves and whatnot. Oh, um, wow. So I think that's been something that he really does. And, you know, he is, he's so high energy, you know, and I know that he's calmed down a little bit because he has kids. So I think that that's kind of a, you know, um, <laughs> right, right. You think though he'll he'll be shouting at them in the voice like hey 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 come on over drink your milk you know something like that. <laughs> Could be, but they'd be they 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 if they um if they were like him they'll probably give him an attitude be like eh, yeah don't probably care. don't care won't care yeah exactly probably we're not listening to you anyway dad yeah 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 well for the intro to this show I emulate his voice for a for a little clip. And to record it, I, I tried it when I'm sitting here, and I just blew out the microphone. So I had to go to the back of the room and, like, <laughs> shout it. So I can only yeah. imagine his um, uh, recording session was uh, people mix, messing with the levels quite a bit so it didn't just blow out the speakers. But yeah. I, I would say he's probably one of the most iconic, uh, yeah, like a system voice you probably yeah. would find in in video gaming just as a whole. I there's very few yeah. I can think of outside of that, except maybe like some of the Midway games, you know, but it's, um, yeah. So, I mean, if there's any chance of him coming on, that would be fantastic. Cause he's an enigma, 
to yeah. to a lot of Sega fans. Yeah. Um, now, uh, speaking of uh, events that people can find you at, I believe you are now locked in as a guest at Sonic and Sega Fan Jam. Yes, I'm very excited about that. And yes, what's super exciting is. Eric Kelsa's could be coming and mm-hmm. he has never been to an event before oh, wow. um, because you know they don't have they, they don't have like these kind of anime conventions or you know like the comic cons like stuff like that they don't they don't have that um, they just don't have it in Japan really I mm-hmm. mean they do have a to- Tokyo Comic Con in December but you know, they don't, it's a very, it's just a very different event culture. So he right. is so excited to come over and finally get to interact with people, with Sega fans. And I'm super excited because Eric is actually one of my favorite people. Um, in fact, he kind of going back to Lost in Translation, but the first time I ever saw Lost in Translation was actually with Eric. Hmm. I was given a copy of the movie and I hadn't seen it yet and so I was like do you want to watch it with me I don't want to watch it by myself so <laughs> yeah so yeah so um, so I love you know it's gonna be so great to have him at the event yeah. that's awesome yeah I'm, I'm hoping to make my way out there um, that would be great that would be really fun uh, Patrick yeah. who actually puts on the event he uh, is a writer yes. for Sega Bits um, yeah. Sega Bits was kind of the springboard for the convention and actually the very first time he did it he was like I want to do a convention but I'm tired of all these Sonic conventions I want to have it be a broader one and I was talking to him and I was like well dude you got to put Sonic in the title because it brings people it brings people through the door mm. um, and so right. I was like why don't you like I don't know like you know there's Sonic jams a game I was like do like fan jam Sonic and Sega fan jam so I actually named the convention which is kind of funny I love it so I, I feel like I named the thing I, I should <laughs> be able to go at some point <laughs> <Yes>. so <laughs> Yes. Maybe dress as a king and walk through, and this is all thanks to me. Patrick did exactly. nothing. No, um, but it's just it's. Uh, I think it's long overdue, and I'm itching to go to conventions. So I'm I'm really hoping to my, make my way out to that. I'm talking to him about if I can be involved in some capacity. I'd love to like host a panel because I love talking to people. Yes. Um, so yes, or, or maybe even having you know um, a live you know a live version of Sigabits there with yeah yeah you know with Eric and you know and yeah me. it's yeah. it's been too it's been too long uh, since a actual live event pertaining to video games so I'm I'm fingers crossed I can make it out I'm really hoping to um, but that's really cool that I did not know that Eric uh, that's his first uh, convention I think I have. I have his autograph through like some Shenmue Kickstarter magazine. I think he threw his his yes. little uh, glossy in there, so that's that's really cool. Um, speaking of glossies, actually, glad I didn't forget these. So, um, on our previous episode, our guest was actually a printer, and so we did oh. um, a live demonstration of a printer that Sega released in the mid '90s. Um, and it had, I, I think, no video exists online until now because we actually used it live. And there was a Virtua Fighter cartridge that came with it. 
And so our second or third test print was this. I don't know if you can see it, but it's um, it's Sarah Bryant in a bikini uh, from like circa 1993. Um, oh. It's it's so pixelated and blown out, and half of it didn't print well. But it's just it's so funny. It's like the rarest piece of uh, Sarah Bryant merchandise because you need to have the printer. And it needs to work, and you need to have the cartridge. So w- when I printed that out, I was like, oh, she's coming on the show <laughs> in two weeks. So that's kind <laughs> that's of fun. So <laughs> Little connection there. But um, since you have had an experience in living in Japan, um, uh, what years were you there, by the way, uh, in your childhood? I'm just curious. So many, so many years. Um, I was there from when I was five uh, until for about 30 years. Okay, so you were there in yeah. the '90s, I'd presume. Yeah. Oh yeah. 80s. Okay, so so late '70s, '80s, and '90s, and 2000s. Yeah. So yeah, so when we were doing this printer thing, we were like, "This is such a strange item because it only prints mm-hmm. little glossy photos. Uh, it does thirty at a time, and it really had this huh. like photo booth kind of mentality behind it, where mm-hmm. it's like." Hook up your camcorder, take your picture. Now, you you were, I, I guess, kind of a youth or younger at the time. Yeah. Uh, kind of plugged into this stuff. Was there sort of uh, something going on in the 90s with the Japanese, with uh, technology that would make, like, a printer that hooks up a to your video game console? Like um, that, that could be connected to Purikura, which is print club is what they called it. Um mm. And I was very much into that. Like, this is, I mean, it's one of the, you know, like one of those photo booths that you find in, like, the mall. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so it's similar to that concept, only, of course, as the Japanese do, there's all kinds of fabulous filters. um, And you can get one that says, happy, or, like, BFFs, or, you know, I mean, right. not probably not BFFs, because Japanese don't really use that term, but, you know, stuff like that, like, happy friends. Or... <laughs> now, do you know, because I think the spokesman they had for this was Johnny's Jr. Does that sound familiar? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Who were they? So Johnny's is one of the biggest... Um, uh, they're one of the, they're one of the biggest talent agencies in Japan as far as pop music. Like they mm. are in charge of Arashi, they're in charge of SMAP. Like they are a pop music, J-pop music machine. Um, and so I'm imagining that Johnny's put this together because obviously there are a lot of, you know. A lot of screaming girls who want to have a filter with them and right. their favorite boy or boy band. Um, okay. Yeah, everyone was on board that train. I mean, I I remember even, you know, like I would be, after I finish, you know, with radio, a lot of times when I would have people on my show, like interviewing them, I would take them out to like Rapungi, which is an area where a lot of the clubs were and everything. So I'd take them out, right? And I remember doing a print club or Purikura with mm. um, with Jamie Foxx because. <laughs> <coughs> 
excuse me, because, you know, I was like, we have to, because we went out dancing, and it's like, and they're all over the place, so it's really easy to get, but um, they, you know, yeah, like, we, we did these, unfortunately, I don't have them anymore, which is really, really, you know, right. saddens me, because it would have been so much fun to keep those, but um, I would do it with people I didn't even know very well, you know, I'm like, Oh, let's go in the booth and do this filter. And they're like, what am I doing here? (laughs) Um, Okay. So that, that, that gives it a little more, gives a little more sense as to why they would have done something like that. It's such a strange piece of text. So thank you. Yeah. Because I was like, well, I know someone who was there at the time. Um, yeah. And it was the rage totally. I mean, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna play around with it again because there are ways you can frame your face and then like put Virtua Fighter characters around it. So I'm gonna oh yes, I'm gonna awesome. see if I can actually get that working. But it's just it's such a strange little little thing from Sega's past. <laughs> um, so before we wrap things up, uh, I had a few questions from our Patreon audience. Yes. These are people that are crazy enough to throw a couple bucks a month at me for doing this show. So, yay. Uh, yay. So, you know, if you ever want to do a Patreon for your show, consider uh, it. Yeah. It's, I know. I am it's looking fun. to it, for sure. But, you yeah. know, I, I still only have two episodes, so I've got a little ways to go. But That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, so the first one we have is from Daniel Andres, and he wanted to know um and we we discussed joy a lot in our our previous show from some some years ago uh but he wanted to know what it was like getting to know the cast members for the first time and if i can expand on that would you say it was on kind of like the fan circuit that you got to know them even better than you did working on the project like did you share the studio with them at all or was it i did we did um i worked with um, some of the characters. So I did work with Eric and Corey. Mm-hmm. I did work with Corey a lot. And then sometimes it would be me, Corey, and Eric that would work together. Um, so there was opportunities for us to kind of work together. Now, Corey, I had never met before Shamu, but Eric, I knew him from doing a lot of other work together. Um and you know there are other there's oh and then Paul like Paul Lucas who does Landy, um, mm. I knew him really well from other work you know so I like I know him I knew his wife and his family you know so oh, wow. um, yeah you could have killed Landy and ended it but look what I you did know. you got to know his family I know I know <laughs> <laughs> oh wow yeah wow. So would you say you got to know them more over the years? Uh, I know, for example, uh, Eric Kelso, you're, you're, you've teamed up with on a few things, I think, virtually, maybe. Um, yeah. But that's really cool. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I you guys were all together. That, yeah, and um, Paul is another one where he's just, like, such a wonderful friend, you know? And then he actually left Japan and went to Singapore um, and so we kind of, you know, there's also this thing where then I moved here to the U.S. And, of course, Corey was already here. But right. um, so we kind of lost, you know, touch with each other for quite a while. And then when that Kickstarter happened at E3, when that was announced, um, all of a sudden we were doing, you know, some interviews and whatnot. And 
I can't even begin to tell you how full my heart was to be able to get back with them and do these interviews. And it was so fun because it felt in a way like, <coughs> excuse me, like we had, obviously we, you know, there've been years that had passed and, mm-hmm. you know, we'd all gotten older, but in many ways it was almost like going back to that same vibe from years back when we were working on the game. So, um, it's always a lot of fun to be able to, you know, anytime that I get to do an interview or, you know, with Twitch or something like that, you know, you know, go on Corey's stream or it's always a lot of fun. Yeah. It just brings back a lot of fond memories for me. That's awesome. And I was so glad that you returned for three. Was that done yeah. remotely or did you go just run into a local studio? How did that work out? I, I went into the studio where they were recording, which was in Burbank. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah. So I was brought in for that. Yeah. I really like that. That was um, for the phone call, I believe, right, where he's yes. uh, reconnecting with his old friends. And that's that's one of the things I love about Shenmue is like you get the game it, it introduces some characters that you just you fall in love with and then he just moves on and I think for yeah. someone like yourself who has been you know maybe not constantly moving but you have made some major moves where you leave people behind and they really define your time there and, and kind of shaped you that Shenmue is kind of like a virtual uh, uh, long distance move <laughs> sometimes because yeah. you're like you're going to the next game you're like gosh i miss those characters <laughs> you know yeah uh, yeah you know yeah. but i'm so glad that you were able to return um uh next question uh, next and last question we have here yes. is from nicholas schaefer he says today it seems oh, he's getting a little controversial it seems like people are criticizing how female characters were represented in the 90s and 2000s um do you like how your characters are portrayed and is there anything about them that you would change No, because I think that that's so easy. It's so easy to, I, I don't know. I I feel like it's really easy to look back and be critical mm. um, of things. Um, and I know that that's going on with a lot of things. And right. I completely understand that. Um, but I don't think I would, I wouldn't change things. Um, I just don't believe, and this is, not just about this particular question, but, you know, like, um, we get this kind of question a lot with voice acting. It's like, oh, if you could change, you know, would you change, you know, would you make any changes, whatever? And I just always say I wouldn't because I don't know. I just feel like that things happened the way they happened. And that's, I'm not going to look back, um, you know, if I were to do it now, would I do it differently? Yes. But I'm not going to be critical of what happened back in the day. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's, yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. And I understand. And, you know, I've, yeah, I mean, that question gets brought up uh, sometimes. And then, of course, you know, the whole thing about like women in voice acting, and you know, right. like the outfits and, all this and all that it's yeah yeah, it's tricky because i think there is is a lot of focus on uh, female characters in video games but there's also i mean you you look at male characters in video games just recently 
I think Street Fighter VI debuted, and it was just like the biggest, hunkiest, burliest man ever. He looked like a block of cheese, like he was just massive. And um, so, you know, I, I have to wonder if it's kind of going both I think both mm-hmm. genders just kind of see that in video games. And yeah. I don't really think it's it's changed. I think, if anything, it's been amplified uh, almost to the mm-hmm. extreme with games like Bayonetta um, and, and a lot of the fighting games now. I think it's actually kind of unique with Virtua Fighter that they still keep things a little a little grounded. Um, mm-hmm. And the characters still appear a little more realistic than kind of super stylized over the top uh, hypersexual or something like that for both genders so it's um because really it's it's a it's a core fighting game it's i think a lot of the fans are ones who are not looking for something over the top but they're just like the move sets and things like that and uh you know the 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 characters voices are kind of like the uh the icing on the cake so that's um but but if you were to return uh for like a sixth game um, uh, for Virtua Fighter, would you want to see like almost like a time jump, like uh, like the characters, or would you rather? Would you prefer like if you were hired, would you be a little more comfortable with it just seeming like you're picking up right where you left off? The character hasn't aged maybe more than a year. Um, like what, what would you prefer? Would you want to see a Sarah who's have- aged? I have no idea. I'm open to whatever. Like, I mm-hmm. think that it would depend maybe on, you know, like if, if it's could be like more story driven or, you know, I mean, it would kind of depend on a lot of aspects, I think, of the game. Yeah. And I, I would be open to whatever. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I don't think I have a preference, really, necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I really want to thank you so much for coming on, um, for being a good sport about the beginning. I apologize, no but, you know, that's 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 the live show. That's why I slept live on the title. I knew this coming into it. Yeah. Um, and um, also, I don't know, is your... Um, so my computer, my laptop has been mm-hmm. frozen. Like the screens have been frozen this whole time. Oh, wow. No, you're coming just through FYI. just fine. Okay, good. Cause That's why you were going, the... hmm, I'm looking at something. Ah, see, you're a great actor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was like, I see nothing. <laughs> Even I'm, I'm frozen. I'm like, oh, oh no, I, okay. no, you're, yeah. you're coming in fine. So that's, that's great. That's good. Oh, okay. Um but yeah, if people want to see you in person, uh, fall 2022, Atlanta, Georgia, Sonic and Sega Fan Jam Remix is coming um, yes. from our good friend Patrick. And then, of course, uh, I opened, I mentioned it in the middle, and I'm going to close with it, Adventures of a Blonde Geisha, a fantastic podcast, really, um, it's just, it's fun. It's like it's like having a friend call you and they just talk and don't let you say anything, but... <laughs> You know, I, exactly. I'm i in the car exactly a little bit, you know, each day. And so yeah. I really liked putting it on and just hearing your story. And I'm really excited for future installments. Um, when can people expect the next episode to drop? Um, and what will so, it be about? Yeah, it'll be uh, the next one will come out on Sundays. So it's going to be every two weeks, uh, okay. Sunday, Sunday night. And the next one is going to be called uh, My J-Pop Culture. And I could talk a little bit about some of the uh, influences I had growing up. Like my, 
you know, and I once more kind of touch on the whole, my pop culture is a hodgepodge of Western culture, or American culture, and J-pop culture. So I'm going to go into some of the things that really influenced me in a lot of different ways, um, you know, in, in my life, really. So it'll be called my J-pop culture. And I did see that, you know, the chat asked if it was going to be available on YouTube. And that's one thing that I still haven't been able to figure it out, but I am, I do have a YouTube channel, so I'm going to put it on there. Um, I just haven't figured out how to do that yet. It's a learning curve, people. It's a learning curve. If you need any help with that, just uh, feel free to DM. I, it's something I okay. do constantly. So. Oh, thanks, Mary. Like, yeah, I probably will because I spent, I kid you not, I spent like a couple hours and I'm like, I hate you, you too. I don't understand. Oh my god. Oh boy. Oh boy. But you're 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 much calmer on on your podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because, you know, I'm in this like pretzel twist twister position in my small little studio. You know? Right, right. And, and then right outside the door, I have my cat, like, yelling at me. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. Well, I, I very much look forward to future shows. I very much look forward to in-person events. Um, yes. Absolutely. So, Liesl, thank you so, so much for coming back on, touching base, talking okay. Virtua Fighter, Shenmue, yeah. and all things uh, Blonde Geisha. So, again, check that out. Subscribe. Give give the five stars. It's uh, It means a lot to her. So, um, uh, she earned it. <laughs> so, uh, oh, boy. <laughs> So without further ado, uh, I'm Barry. Thank you so much, Liesl, for joining us. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.